I chose this particular text. You're familiar with it. I'm sure you are. Amen. And uh, as we read it together, we, I, I think a lot of us were quoting from the King James translation, so it, it sounded a little different among us, but it's still the same. Uh, I've been talking about the kingdom. And when we, when we look at this text, that's one of the, one of the major themes that he, he mentions. Now, this is not the Lord's prayer. This is the prayer the Lord gave for his disciples, for his followers. And I think most of us feel like it, it has a good flow and a good tempo to it. Our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. So we know it. We know the, we know the prayer. But what we need to do more than anything else is to understand it. Yes. Now there have been some who have come along and said, well, you, we really can't pray this prayer because it was given, it was given to certain ones, the disciples, before the death and resurrection of Jesus Christ. So, a lot of us have avoided the prayer itself. And I have to admit that at one time, I did avoid it because I misunderstood what was being said. The first thing that comes to mind is that we're saying, Thy kingdom come. Now, the uh, text is actually asking for the kingdom to come. And if, if in our prayer that's what we're asking for... Got your attention again? <laughs> Maddie was going to go to sleep on us earlier, so I said, well, we'll do something to keep her awake. <laughs> All right. Let's, let's, look at, let's look at what is being referred to when, when, the, when we start the prayer and it says, Our Father which art in heaven, we understand that very easily. Thy kingdom come. Thy kingdom come. Now, when Jesus came to this earth, when he first appeared on this earth, there were three things that were going on when, when he came publicly, and even when he came as an infant. Three things were happening. The first thing was that, that people were expecting a king. Now, we, we could transport ourselves back into that period of time, and, and if we did so, we'd find that this particular nation, this little nation called Israel, which was small at that time, had a great reputation and that reputation was that God was with them. That actually, they had a special relationship to God that the other nations did not have. When the wise men came in Matthew chapter 2, you remember? And we know the, the, uh, the, the uh, scene that we usually have at Christmas time, the creche, which is when we have Jesus in the manger and the and the animals by and so forth, and Joseph and Mary, and then the three wise men who came from the east. Now, where they came from was, was modern-day Iran. They came from Persia. And they'd heard about, something about, a king coming to Israel. And so they came and they asked Herod, they asked the question, where is he born king of Israel? Matthew chapter 2 at verse 2. So they were expecting a king. And when Jesus came into public uh, notice, when he first walked in publicly and people recognized who he was when he was 30 years old, 
It was after John the Baptist had been preaching, Repent ye, for the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now this was quite a character. John the Baptist was quite a character. He was out in the wilderness, and he had a great reputation because he wore animal skins, and he, and he had not cut his hair. An ancient hippie, I guess. He, from the time he was born, he was six months older than Jesus. So he was 30 years old, just like Jesus was. When he, when, when he came into our public view, he wore, camels, he wore uh, animal skins and he ate locusts, basically grasshoppers or beetles and wild honey. That was what he ate. But he, he, he had never drank anything that was, had any alcoholic beverage involved in it, no alcoholic content. He had never even eaten the pulse of, of the grape. Now that was according to the, the uh, Old Testament scriptures. So here was a man, and he was preaching, repent for the kingdom of heaven in his hand. And so people were, actually at that time, they were being shocked into dreading that there is a judgment coming. That's what, that's what, uh, what, he was, what, what the prophet John the Baptist was preaching. Repent, the kingdom of heaven in his hand. And then thirdly, there was a deliverance that was being yearned for because the people that John was preaching to, basically Israel and those who were around Israel, and you know some of the other other people heard him as well as Israel. There were Roman centurions that heard him, and Roman soldiers that heard him. People in the area heard what John was preaching, and they were coming out to hear him and understand what he was saying, and they were asking questions: What shall we do? What shall we do? Because they felt, they felt that the judgment was coming. Now, I've mentioned this before. The judgment did come. And the judgment fell upon the earth, but it fell upon the shoulders of one called Jesus. And when the judgment was executed, it was executed against Jesus instead of me. So the judgment did happen. They didn't understand that. They thought it was coming as going to swoop down upon the whole world. And the righteous would be would stand up and shine in the in the glory of God and in His kingdom, and the unrighteous would be cast away. What happened was that Jesus died on the cross, and the judgment of God fell upon Him. So there was a deliverance that they were yearning for, they, but they didn't understand it. And so the, the the deliverance was expressed by several different prophets in the Old Testament, but one in particular. There's a fellow that was in the city of Jerusalem named Simeon. And you can read about him in Luke chapter 2. And he had stayed there for years. He was an old guy. And he was looking for, as a matter of fact, he was waiting for something to happen in Israel among these people. He thought something good was coming. And when Jesus came, eight eight days old, his parents brought him to the city of Jerusalem to circumcise him, have him circumcised, and offer the gifts at the temple. Simeon grabbed him. Grabbed Jesus. Held him up. And he said, now I I can die. He said, now, Lord, let thy servant depart. For my eyes have seen your salvation. Wow. So they were not only looking for judgment, but they were looking for some way to get away from it. They were looking for salvation. And Simeon found it. Basically, the whole country was abuzz with anticipation. For these things, looking for the king, looking for a judgment, and then looking that some of them were going to get out of it. And when Jesus came, of course, he came and he was preaching 
one thing in particular. He was preaching that the kingdom of God is near. And so when we say this prayer, thy kingdom come, somebody says, well, it already came. And what we're not understanding is the kingdom. We're not understanding what the kingdom is. Basically, the kingdom of God and Jesus Christ are one and the same. Now, I'm going to, I'm going to demonstrate that. So, when they were saying, thy, when we're saying, thy kingdom come, what we're saying basically is, Lord, come into my life and let me be part of your life. That's what we're praying for. Remember that if you're going to pray this prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come. Let Jesus come into my life. Because he is the kingdom. Now let's see if this is true. I have some more charts here. Thanks to the Kearns. Just If we follow the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, we're going to find that there are texts that are equal to the same thing. In other words, if we look at these texts, Matthew chapter 3 at verse 2, John was preaching, the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And then if we look at Luke chapter 11 at verse 20, Jesus is in a controversy with some individuals who are saying and making an accusation. Basically, these were the chief priests and the scribes and the lawyers of that time. And they were saying, hey, what you're doing is of the devil. You have nothing to do with God. And Jesus is saying, and he tells them in Luke chapter 11, verse 20, he says, if I with the finger of God cast out devils, notice he's saying, I with the finger of God cast out devils, no doubt the kingdom of God has come upon you. I have come upon you. That's what he's saying. If I am casting out devils by the finger of God, it's, it's come upon you. So, the first thing is the kingdom is near. Jesus is near. So the, they're equal to the same thing. The second is, the second point is, the kingdom suffered violence. In Matthew chapter 11, verse 12, when the, when the disciples of John came to see Jesus, they, they were afraid that things had changed. As a matter of fact, John had been thrown into prison, remember? And he was thrown into prison because he told Herod that he could not have his brother Philip's wife. He wanted his wife. As a matter of fact, Philip used to follow them down through the streets when Herod and his wife were going down the street. Philip would follow them down the street, weeping, wailing, and crying, wanting his wife back. And so John told Herod, he said, uh, it's, it's not lawful for you to have your brother's wife. It was according to, it was all unlawful in the Old Testament law. And so Herod didn't know what to do because he was afraid of the people because the people thought John was a prophet. So Herodias, her daughter, that was, that was his wife. Her daughter Salome, I think was her name. She danced. And Herod was so tickled about it in this orgy. He said, I'll give you anything up to half of my kingdom. She said, give me the head of John the Baptist on a pillow, on a charger. And so Herod, because he was a king and because he thought he was God incarnate, he could not go back on his word. So he beheaded John. Now the disciples, John's, John's disciples are saying, well, what's going on? 
we thought that we, we thought the deliverance was coming. And and John, our leader's gone, so they came to Jesus and said they said uh, John came John sent us said, Are you the one that should come, or do we look for another? And Jesus said, Well, you go tell John, this was before John's beheaded, you go tell John that the dead are raised, the sick have the the uh, the blind see and the deaf hear, and the poor have the gospel preached to them. Anyway, after they left, Jesus was talking to his disciples, and he made this statement. He said, The kingdom of heaven suffers violence, and the violent take it by force. Matthew 11, verse 12. How was the kingdom of heaven suffering violence? Because Jesus was suffering violence. That's how the kingdom was suffering violence. So in Luke chapter 4, at verse 29, just after Jesus started his public ministry, he was in his own city, and, and after, he, after he preached a little sermon to them, they went outside the town, they grabbed him, they were so upset with what he's saying, they grabbed him, and they were going to throw him off a cliff. And it says in Luke 4, verse 29, it says, They rose up and thrust him out of the city, and led him out of the city, and led him under the brow of the hill, where their, hill was, where their city was built, that they might cast him down headlong. And John chapter 6, verse 15 says, They were wanting to take him by force and make him a king. So we have the kingdom suffering violence, and we have Jesus suffering violence. So the conclusion is, Jesus is the kingdom. Now, as you read Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, if you read it in that context and you begin to think about it, it begins to get clearer to you. So what we're saying is, Thy kingdom come, we're saying, Lord Jesus, come into my life. Let me come into your life. In, in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, the kingdom was in the midst and Jesus was in the midst. So in Luke chapter 17, verse 20 and 21, it says, When he was demanded of the Pharisees, when the kingdom of God should come, he answered and said unto them, The kingdom comes not with observation. They were thinking they would see horses and chariots and soldiers and so forth, and somebody coming in to crown a king. And he said, comes not with violence. He said, Neither shall I say, Lo, here, lo, there, for behold, the kingdom of God is within you. And that word within means among you. Who was among them? Jesus. He was among them. Matthew 26 and verse 55 says, Jesus said while he was under arrest and he was, being, he was being questioned by his captors, he said, I sit daily with you teaching in the temple. Who was in their midst? Jesus. The kingdom was in their midst. They didn't recognize it. And then let's talk about the thief on the cross. Luke chapter 23, two verses, 42 and 43. Luke chapter 23, when the thief, one of the thieves on the cross looked at Jesus and he said, after, every, after hearing all the comments made by different ones, even his partner, one of the other thief, said uh, he was, he was, he was uh, criticizing Jesus as well and saying, if you're the Son of God, come off the cross. And so he was catcalling him. And one of the thieves looked at him and said, Lord... He said, remember me when you come into your kingdom. Think about those words. When you come into your kingdom. You know what Jesus said? Today you shall be with me 
in paradise. Why? Because Jesus is the kingdom. Now, the kingdom basically, the kingdom basically plainly is the area where God rules completely. He is where where God rules completely. These texts and others teach us plainly that that Jesus is the kingdom of God. It wasn't always immediately understood. They didn't always understand that. They didn't understand that Jesus was the personification and He was the kingdom. They didn't understand that. So after Jesus arose from the dead and the disciples were in the city of Jerusalem, they, they, and Jesus was there talking to them just before He went back into heaven. They asked Him the question in Acts chapter 1 at verse 6. He says, When they were therefore among them together, they asked of Him, saying, Lord, will You at this time restore again the kingdom to Israel? You know what they were asking? Will You go back to Israel? Will You offer Yourself again to Israel? They didn't know they were asking that question, but that's basically what they were asking. Would you go back and offer yourself again to Israel? Because you are the kingdom. They didn't know that. They, they didn't understand that. But that's what they were asking. And you know what? In John chapter 1 at verse 11, it says, He came unto His own, that is Jesus going to Israel. He came unto His own, and His own received Him not. But as many as received Him, to them He gave power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on His name, who were born not of blood, nor of the flesh, nor the will of the flesh, but of God. So, He had he had gone to Israel. The kingdom had been offered to Israel. And they rejected it because they rejected Jesus Christ. Those who seek the kingdom of God are looking for three things. If you're seeking the kingdom of God like they were, you're looking for three things. And I, I want to, I want to uh, call your attention to, to something. And that is, first of all, when we're seeking the kingdom of God, we're seeking it according to faith. Now, in Hebrews chapter 11, there's a long list of those who were heroes and heroines of faith. Like Samson and like Moses and like Joshua and... Caleb and so forth. These, all these individuals, David, heroes, heroes of faith. And, and the text says in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 13, talking about those who have faith, these confess that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. Okay. So when we're seeking the kingdom of God, we're seeking it through faith. And our faith, of course, is going to be placed in Jesus Christ. But when we're seeking the kingdom, here's the things that we're seeking. We're seeking acceptance, we're seeking protection, and we're seeking privileges. Now, I know there's a lot of controversy going on about the immigrants coming into this country, down south. People coming into our southern borders. Lots of controversy and lots of fighting going on about that. But I want you to understand that these people are seeking this country for these reasons. They're trying to come into the United States for these reasons. They want to be accepted as citizens in this country. They want to be protected under the laws of the citizens of the United States and the laws of the United States. And they want the privileges of this country. And I can't blame them. The problem is we have to make sure, and I'm not politically inclined in this or involved in this in any way, Democrat or Republican, 
Republican. I, you know, we, we just we just have to make sure everything goes according to the law of the United States. It has to go according to the laws. But now let's talk about if our if we're seeking the kingdom of God, what are we seeking? In the prayer, our Father which art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy will be thy, thy kingdom come. Thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread. And he says he also says, forgive us our trespasses. As we forgive those who have trespassed against us, we want our trespasses forgiven. Romans 10 at verse 9 and 10 says that if you'll confess your mouth, the Lord Jesus shall believe in your heart that he, God has raised him from the dead, you shall be saved. And yet we know that if we have acceptance with God, if we come into the kingdom, if we're praying for God, thy kingdom come, then we're asking him to accept us in the kingdom. Accept us in Jesus Christ. So the only way we're going to be accepted, by the way, Jesus told Nicodemus, he said, except a man be born again, he cannot enter the kingdom. We're not going to get along with Jesus by dragging our sins into the kingdom, into his presence. It's not going to happen. Matter of fact, 1 Corinthians chapter 6, verse 9 and 10 says, the unrighteous shall not inherit the kingdom. So we can't come in as criminals. We cannot come into the kingdom. Thy kingdom come. Jesus is not going to come into our lives unless we start all over again and leave that part of our life behind. Now that's sometimes, and maybe I shouldn't say sometimes, that's always exciting and terrifying. We're going to have to leave our old life behind. And we have to become a new creature in Christ. This, of course, begins when we believe that Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God. He came, to, he, he will accept us. He died on the cross for us. And we're born again. And know you not, as many of us were baptized into Christ, we were baptized into death. Therefore, being buried with Him in baptism by death, we should rise and walk in newness of life. So we walk in newness of life, and now we're accepted by Him. And... It, as a matter of fact, there's a text that we like to read and we like to talk about over in Matthew chapter 7 at verse 21 that says, Jesus said, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is talking about people coming into contact with Him and in His presence. Into the kingdom. He said, But he that does the will of my Father which is in heaven. Now watch it. Many will say that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in your name? And in your name cast out devils? Your name did many wonderful works? Then I will depart, and I will profess unto them, I never knew you. Notice what he said. I never knew you. These people are trying to get into the kingdom, and Jesus is saying, You're not doing it right. I never knew you. So you can't get into the kingdom without knowing Jesus Christ. And they want to come in without knowledge of Him and without starting all over again, obviously. He said, depart from me, ye that work iniquity. All right. That's the first thing. We want to be accepted. Now, you do not have to be a sterling, upright, wonderful citizen. I'm one of the, one of the examples of this. You don't have to be good to get in the kingdom. You have to be born again. You have to come in and say, okay, Lord, I'm leaving my old life behind. I believe in you. I'm going to confess your name before men. 
if you'll confess my name before your father. And I'm going, to, I'm going to believe in you and I'm going to follow you and I'm going to leave my old life behind and you just tell me where you want me to go. So I'm born again and now I'm starting out. And Jesus said, I'll accept you. You're, the, you're in my kingdom. You're, in, you're with me. And then we have protection. Protection. Lead us not into temptation, this prayer says, doesn't it? But deliver us from evil. What does that mean, you suppose? It means, he says, lead us not in temptation. Temptation means that we're testing God. He said, don't, don't be testing God. Remember what the devil tried to do with Jesus? He said, here, turn these, these rocks into bread. Jesus said, man shall not live by bread alone. Then he said, okay, throw yourself down from the temple, temple spire, and, and the angels will catch you up. And he said, thou shalt not tempt the Lord your God. Test him. You say, okay, Lord. If you really want me, if you really want me, then answer this prayer. Have you ever heard that before? Lord, if you'll just get me out of this fix, I'll follow you. Bargaining with God. It doesn't work, does it? He says, lead us not in temptation. So that's one part of it. But the other part is, deliver us from evil. You know, the devil's out there on the prowl always. He's talking about seeking whom he may devour. That means he's after you day and night. 24-7, he's after you. And Jesus said, he'll protect you. I want to read a text. Well, this is a good one. I think it's a favor for all of us. In Romans chapter 8, and beginning at verse 31, here are the promises that God has made if you're in his kingdom, if you're in his son Jesus. He says, what shall we say then to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He that spared not his own son, but delivered him up for us all, how shall he not with him also freely give us all things? Who shall lay anything to the charge of God's elect? It's God that justifies. Who is he that condemns? It's Christ that died, yea, rather that is risen again. Who is even at the right hand of God who makes intercession for us? Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or peril, or sword, as it is written. For thy sake we are killed all the day long, we are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Nay, in all these things, now notice, please notice, because sometimes we get caught up in this business of if, if, we're, if God really loves us, he's not going to let us die. He's not going to let us suffer. He's not going to let us get sick. He's going to answer every prayer and make sure that we're comfortable all the time we're on this earth. That is not the promise. The promise is whatever distress and disturbance you go through, Jesus is there with you and he will take care of you. Whatever it is, he'll take care of you. He says, in all these things we're more than conquerors. I am persuaded that neither death, even if you die of cancer, It wasn't because God didn't love you. We just lived down here on a poor, poor place. Nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things that come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other creature shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's what an immigrant wants in their country. They want protection. And that's what Jesus gives you when you come into His presence And He enfolds you with His arms. He will protect you and He will keep you in the love 
of his father. And, obviously, when you die, he's going to be there. Oh, I'll tell you what. I love the idea that, that when I get up on the, to the day of judgment, when I stand before the throne of God, and it's appointed unto man wants to die after this is judgment, that, that when all the books are opened and we're going to be judged, that as long as I'm in Jesus Christ, I'm with Him. I'm, I'm going to come up to us and I'm going to say, I'm with Him. And He's going to say, He's with me. Let Him pass. He's okay. Now that's what I'm looking for. I want that protection. I want him to protect me in the day of judgment. And, you know, I'm not saying that God doesn't take care of us during this lifetime, because he does. Because that's another part of this thing. Give us this day our daily bread. Isn't that what he says? If you're a Christian, here's what's going to happen. Here's the promise. God is going to take care of you. He's going to make sure that you get along. And in Matthew chapter 6, in this same context that we were looking at when we looked at the prayer, Matthew chapter 6 and verse 25, he makes a statement. Jesus makes a statement. He says, Therefore I say unto you, take no thought for your life. Now, if you're in the kingdom, here's what you've got. You have the privileges of being in Jesus Christ in his kingdom. If you're there... He's saying, take no thought for your life, what you will eat or what you will drink. Nor yet for your body what you shall put on. Is not the life more than meat and the body than raiment? And then he says at verse 33, listen carefully. Seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. You're going to have enough to get you through this life. You may not... You may not uh, have as much as the next fella. You may not have as much as everybody else around you. You may not have as much as your neighbor. But he said, you'll have enough. I'll get you through. And you may end up getting through ragged and torn and tattered, but you're going to get through. And when you get through, guess who's going to be there to get a hold of you and say, come on, you made it. We made it together. In Matthew chapter 23 or 25, verse 34, after the scene of judgment, talking about the scene of judgment, when all nations, the lamb or the sheep and the, the goats will be on the sheep on the right and the goats on the left, he says to those on the right, he says, Come ye blessed, inherit the kingdom prepared for you from the foundation of the world. Inherit the kingdom. Jesus, my friend, is yours. And if he's yours, the kingdom is yours. All you have to do is say, Lord, I repent of my sins. I want to be saved. I want to confess your name. I'm going to tell other people. I'm going to tell somebody else about Jesus. Have you done that this week? Just a stranger. Jesus is the Christ. You know, I did that not long ago. Because somebody came by, a lady came by, and she said something about Jesus, and I said, yes, he is. Jesus is the Christ. We can say it. We need to say it. People need to understand it. Because in the kingdom is acceptance, protection, and privileges. They're ours. We need to be in the kingdom. Come in the kingdom. You can come now if you want to.
Let's stand together and sing the song selected. <laughs> 